This episode of Artsy Engineering Radio, Steve Hicks, John Allured, and Ash Furrow talk about scaling your impact as an engineer, the importance of a beginner's mind, creating more value than you capture, and cultivating a culture garden. Hope you like it. Hello, friends. This is Artsy Engineering Radio, and I'm John with Ash and Steve. I'm going to do intros quick, and then we can dive into our topic for today. Like I said, I'm John. I'm an engineer here at Artsy, and I work in um, the Minneapolis area. How about you, Steve? Hi, John. I'm Steve Hicks. I'm an engineer at Artsy also. I work in Milwaukee, and uh, you might say otherwise, but I like to think my area of expertise is front-end. How about you, Ash? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm an outgoing engineer at Artsy. Uh, today, as we record, is my last day, but I'm really excited to be here. Um, I am based out of uh, Atlanta, Canada. Sad face. Um, okay, so we were going to talk about scaling your impact as an engineer. Ash, I know you have thoughts on this topic, and you were interested in starting maybe with the myth, or at least talking about a 10x engineer. Maybe you can start there. Yeah, sure. Um, like this is something that I know Steve and I have talked about before, like the, the 10 X engineer is, is like kind of a myth, right? Like uh, an engineer who does 10 times the amount of output doesn't, doesn't really exist. Or at least if they do, it's, it's not like in a very healthy environment. Is that, is that a good encapsulation, Steve? I think so. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I feel like this comes out every, what, three months, somebody says something about what a 10 X engineer is and it's like dark backgrounds, and um, doesn't talk to people and sits in their cave until a beautiful product emerges. And mm-hmm. I just don't think that's reality, right? Yeah, exactly. And it kind of keeps us from talking about uh, like what I think is is a more like there are ways to to be more effective as an engineer to to um, at a high level like on a team level get more out. Um, and this idea of like one engineer who does 10 times the amount of work doesn't really resonate with me, but the idea of having one engineer who makes the five engineers around them all twice as productive, like that, that is something that I feel does or, or can exist. Is there any, um, overlap between this idea of a 10 X engineer and like the concept of like a lone wolf engineer or someone who like maybe prefers to work on their own. And I wonder if you have any thoughts about like what's more healthy there and, you know, we all have different work styles. So is there some Venn diagram there? Yeah, I think there is, I I mean, I don't want to, to discount the fact like we all do have different work styles and some people do prefer to, to work on their own. Um, But I think that, in general, software engineering and product development more specifically is a collaborative effort. And the, the gains that you get from, um, doing this kind of like thinking in terms of, uh, of increasing the impact of those around you can still apply, even if you're one of these, um, lone wolf or, uh, you know, um, some people might call them like rockstar engineers, um, either derisively or unironically, um, I think that you can still have that sort of work style. You can still prefer to, you know, stay up late coding on your own and still think about how your work impacts those around you. 
is it possible to increase my influence or my impact as an engineer before I have a title of senior engineer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone can start um, right away. Um, there, there are a few different ways to uh, to think about this, uh, like how to um, grow your impact or how to exercise your impact. Um, and uh, one of the ways I like to think about it is um, with a sphere of influence. So you have at any point in your career, in your professional development, you have a sphere of influence. That is a summation of all the people that you know professionally, all of the frameworks you've worked with, all of the code bases and the context that you've accrued. All of this kind of accumulates into a sphere of influence. And when you first start out in your career, or even if you start out at a new job, uh, your sphere is going to be uh, kind of small, but it's still there and you can still work within it really effectively. And thinking about how you work within it is how you uh, increase your impact. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of how I think about it. So um, maybe I can like give you an example. Um, if someone is uh, starting out, they're a junior engineer, even um, they like their sphere of impact, uh, sphere of influence is, is relatively small. Like they're in a code base, uh, they're learning the framework maybe for the first time. Maybe this is their you know second or third code base. Like that's that's a really intimidating place to be, but it's also really exciting and it gives them a really cool perspective uh, because they're looking at things at a very um, like micro level, very close to the code itself. And they can think about how they want to exercise their sphere of influence. So if they're in this code, they can ask questions about it and they can say, all right, why is this structured this way? Or have we thought about doing this instead? Or maybe they just refactor things and, and ask for feedback on that so that over time, not only are they making the code base better, but they are also um, getting better at making code bases better. So their sphere of influence is growing because they know the code base better. They're getting more familiar with their tools and it's growing because of the way that they are uh, exercising that sphere of influence. You talked a little bit, it feels like you talked a little bit about out, having outside perspective being really important to this that uh, as, as they're coming into this code base they, and it's fresh to them, they have a different set of eyes on it. Is that mm -hmm. important in this? I, I think so. I think that it's beneficial to be aware of your perspective and the perspective of those around you. So if you are, if you're just beginning, you have this idea of, uh, well, I think of it uh, as this idea of beginner's mind. You're going in with uh like no real preconception of how things work, uh, but that's really valuable. And as like someone who's an expert in these code bases or these frameworks, it can be very difficult to put yourself back in those shoes, even though it's really important if you want to make something that is maintainable or if you want to build something that is really easy to use. Like I am trying to, um, often I'm trying to forget or, or like, you know, block out the the um the context that i have it's almost like baggage that I, I carry with me and i can't get rid of it but as a beginner you don't have that baggage and you're in the the perfect position to ask those questions and like i love this because like it, it's just by asking the questions like you don't even have to do the work just asking the questions is helping me put myself back um in that beginner's mind mindset it's it sounds like you're describing kids uh, um 
having that perspective of the world where they don't have any preconceived notions about anything uh, is it's really incredible to see that as a parent. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it makes a huge difference when you do have those outside perspectives to, to, to just get past any of those assumptions that you're all making. This also rhymes with, I think, um, a troubleshooting technique of like rubber ducking and like trying to get yourself out of being so close to something can even just explaining something to someone who is, you know, not as intimate with the problem as you are, just kind of frees you up to start seeing things in a new way. So it's about perspectives, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. And trying to come up with not just asking a question, but if you have a question like, why are we doing this this way? Try to answer it yourself and then bring your question and answer to a senior engineer to say, I don't understand why you know this code was written in the last six months, but it's using uh, JavaScript classes instead of uh, functional reactive components or something like something like this thing that you don't understand and then try to answer it. I think it's because the code base needs to be compatible with this other thing or, or whatever it is. Try to come up with a reason and then ask if that's correct. And as a senior engineer answering that question, that's such a more interesting conversation to have because um, I can I can help you kind of like, I see where you're trying to go and I can help you uh, refine that direction. Ash, you just reminded me of a conversation you and I had and uh, yesterday, and I hope that it's okay for me to bring this up, but we talked about how it was going to be difficult for you moving on to a, a new job and feeling like even though you're very clearly a very senior engineer, you're in a new place and you don't have any of the, you don't have the history and you don't have, um, I don't know what the, the way to say this is, is but basically people people aren't going to listen to the person who's new as much as they're going to listen to the opinions of someone who's been there for seven years. And that sounds like it's probably a really similar battle that someone who is less senior in their job is going to fight. They're going to have to figure out how to convince, you know, these people who are a little more experienced than them that they should be listened to. Do you have any advice about that? Hmm. Yeah, I think there is, there is some overlap there. I think that having, you know, being established in my career gives me a lot more um, confidence, a little bit of a safety net to know that, you know, if I ask a, a silly question, you know, I don't know what the the work, I don't know exactly what the work environment I'm going to be in is like, but I know that if I ask a silly question, no one is going to be like, do we really like hire this guy? You know, where if you're coming into your first job or even if you're an intern or, or co-op student, you know, you don't have that. So um, I want to like acknowledge that it's not quite the same, but there is some overlap there. Um, so I, it, it's difficult because I like I seek out work environments where I can ask these kinds of questions and I can be open about having uh, a beginner's mind or trying to um, trying to stay in that mindset. Um, but I recognize that not everyone is in that kind of work environment. Sometimes uh, engineers ask questions. And the answers that they get are, you know, they don't help the engineer. Maybe they even make them feel bad through like tone of voice or body language or whatever. You know, they're not in an environment where they can they can ask these kinds of questions. That's why I think uh, trying to think about it on your own is, is a really good idea. When I was a co-op student, I was given some really valuable advice from a colleague. 
he said that if I run into a problem or if I have a question, I should spend a half hour trying to answer it myself and take notes and write out the description. And this will help me kind of think about the problem. And when he comes, when, when I went to him with the question, um, I would, I would kind of, uh, I would have a better perspective on it myself. And this was really helpful for two reasons. Like it, it helped him because it kept me out of his hair. Uh, it also helped me develop my own, um, my own intuitions around how to answer these kinds of questions. Oftentimes I would find myself like typing out an email and, uh, I would say like, okay, I don't understand why this works and blah, blah, blah. And as I was typing it out, I would sort of be like, oh, well maybe, maybe it's because of this, this reason. And in the end, I wouldn't have to send the email at all because I answered my own question. I might send an email to say like, hey, I have this question. This is the answer I came up with. Is that right? Uh, and that's, that's a, a much, um, from his perspective, that was a much easier kind of answer to, to give. So I think there's overlap there, but, um, but it's difficult to say because again, like when I was, when I was a co-op student in like 2008, like that's a very different uh, work environment than we find ourselves in, in today. Definitely. You're, you're making me think about a Slack channel we have called dev help where people are encouraged and free to ask and even sometimes answer, um, their, their questions or their things that they're not sure about. Um, I often find myself reading that channel and learning, learning things that I didn't know that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I've taken, I've tried to, um, encourage myself to have the habit of asking questions in the open and then even just like threading immediately and saying, I think it works like this. Oh, I just found this line of code. I tried this and it did work. I tried this and it didn't work. Then yesterday I got a message from another engineer. I'm glad you wrote this out. I searched Slack, found this thread, and it solved mm -hmm. and like taught me how to do this thing. Mm -hmm. That that idea of like learning in the open and having the psychological safety to like sometimes be wrong, sometimes be right, need help. Exactly. And this is what you mentioned earlier about rubber ducking. You were rubber ducking. There was just like a record of it. And John. You're absolutely what you're describing is you're you're contributing in a way that is scaling your impact to helping how many other people that that individual engineer, but everyone else is tagging along for the ride. I've always really enjoyed reading those threads and you should keep it up. Yeah, definitely. I will. Um, this also kind of relates to another way I like to think about uh, scaling impact or impact in general. Um, this is the idea of creating more value than you capture. So if you are like value is sort of a very like abstract term. And that's why I like this expression because you can use this way to think in, in various aspects of like technical decisions or, uh, or personal development or whatever you're thinking of. Um, if you capture value, that is, that is value that you're taking out of sort of a shared uh, pool. But if you're creating value, that's kind of giving back to the shared pool. So maybe the pool is like your workplace, or maybe it's like the whole industry. And those pools can sort of scale up as you want to scale up your impact. Start with yourself, move to your team, then your company, then the industry and the world. It's sort of like you can think about this applying it at each level. So in this example, um, what John's done is instead of you know, thinking about things himself in a notepad editor or something uh, and coming to a conclusion, he's he's put it in um, in a place where other people can access it and search for it and, and find it and learn from it. So this is a perfect example of where he's created more value than he has captured himself. 
You're right. I'd do a great job. Um, so <laughs> the other thing I wanted to hit is uh, just some of the some of the things in your team, Ash, that you've done to, you know, uh, change your own impact. Things like we have knowledge sharing meetings. We, t- we talked about knowledge sharing, uh, building community, cross team mobile practice. And so I wonder if there's things you want to call out there of like how you've used your impact to create culture. Mm-hmm. That's a really great question because culture is this really like nebulous thing. Um, I, I don't want to like, squishy. yeah, it's squishy. Uh, I don't want to like go down too deep a rabbit hole in, in trying to um, like define exactly what culture is. Um, I'll, I'll sort of uh, say in like in a sentence, culture is something that you do. It's not something you have. So the, the team, uh, you know, how the team works is influenced by, um, by me. I was the, the tech lead for my team. Um, I kind of set the example and also the tone for for how we work, and and doing that um, influenced and created this this culture. And the culture that I created was pretty specific. I wanted a culture where everyone felt empowered to improve the culture, which is kind of circular, but uh, is also really important. And that manifested itself through things like sharing team responsibilities. So we have. Uh, we have regular sprint meetings like retrospectives and sprint planning meetings and knowledge shares um, and standups and trying to share responsibility for those things so that uh, if someone is running a retrospective and they realize that how we run retrospectives could be better, then because they've ran one, they feel empowered to go and make that improvement themselves. They don't they don't have to um, ask permission or something. They, they're already in the, the mindset that they have ownership of this of this kind of culture, um, and this this is something that I I did even before I was a, a team lead. Um, Artsy Engineering does weekly engineering standups, and I, for a while I didn't like them, but I, I grew to love them, and I did that because I, I expressed why I didn't like them, and um, and we all improved them. But eventually, like I I wanted to like I wanted to run the meetings, and I started. I took over from another engineer. Uh, and every Monday I would run these meetings. Uh, but I, I realized that this wasn't really the best way. Like this helped me scale my impact a bit in this sort of like very strict, narrow sense that I am doing something that I wasn't doing before. But what I chose to do instead is create a rotating um, a, a rotating system where we take turns running the standup. And now I'm not running the standup. I'm running the rotation of the standup. So now this like shared thing that we have, everyone everyone has a, a sense of ownership over it, and through that, um, that's that's how I kind of like that that ties back to culture. I think when you have something that everyone is doing, no one feels like it's being imposed on them. You know, if if I had been running the standup or if I had been rotating um, the standup very early on, you know, I wouldn't have had these sort of like feelings like the standup was happening to me because I was I was helping to do it. I want to stand culture a little bit because I think your impact and the culture of RT's engineering team are quite related. Do you remember a time where you sort of went from consuming the culture to making it? And like, did you sort of recognize this only in retrospect or did it, did, did you like see at the time, you know, your, your impact and the way that culture changes and in your, your view of culture can maybe be related. I wonder. Mm, that's a good question. The, I joined Artsy because the the company seemed like really like in line with where I wanted to work. The culture seemed really cool and healthy, and I 
I definitely like I joined that in a, a way I was consuming that that culture. But from the from the beginning, I I felt empowered to also like participate in it. And over time, I grew confident in in growing the culture. And uh, the way I learned to think about it after a few years is um, it's like a garden. It's not something that you you like build. It, like culture isn't something that like you assemble. It, it's something that you cultivate because it's going to grow and change over time just through the process of like people joining, people leaving, uh, time just makes things change. So as a gardener, you're sort of like weeding a little bit, you know, you're making sure that um, the parts of the culture that you're doing are, are good. If you see something that shouldn't, shouldn't be there, then, you know, you can have like a, a private conversation with someone or, or give uh, constructive feedback. If you see something that is good that you like, uh, then you should encourage it. And that, I mean, like that's part of the thing that I, I started to do after a couple of years was just um, just telling people when they did something awesome or, or you know, if uh, if someone had like a, a cool thing that they did, I would ask them like, hey, would you like to write a blog post about this? I'll, I'll pair with you on it and uh, and we'll build it together. The garden analogy really works for me, Ash. Um, it has this thing happened to me when uh, you announced that you were leaving Artsy and it's a thing that has happened to me at other companies too, where it's exactly what John's describing. I previously, I was just sitting in the garden eating the carrots and I was like, these carrots are delicious and there's more carrots over here and look at these peppers. This is so cool. I love this garden. And then the head gardener or not, not the head gardener, but one of the most important gardeners in the garden left and I was like what's going to happen to the garden and it was at that moment where honestly it clicked with me that I for it seems like for the first I don't know year or two that I'm working at a company I am very passive in consuming the culture and then something happens and there's a there's a significant departure where suddenly I realize that no I am also a gardener and I am an active participant in this yeah, it's. I mean, this sort of thing happens naturally as you gain more context on the team. Uh, you gain what I think of as institutional authority. Uh, you've you've been around people. People trust your opinion because you know they've worked with you because you've proven yourself to be knowledgeable in this area before. So when you come to them with an idea or a concern, they are you know, they'll, they'll take you seriously and you'll know how to communicate your idea with them. They'll know how to communicate their ideas back to you. Um, yeah, it, it, it does happen that like, I, I think coinciding with, with the departure makes a lot of sense, but you know, I'm, I'm curious if there's anything, Steve, that like, ha- has anything pushed you towards that, that hasn't been a departure? Is there any like way to maybe if someone else is listening to this, is there a way for them to instill this kind of sense of going from a passive uh, culture consumer to someone who who helps uh, influence the culture? Is there a way to do that uh, in in a sort of um, uh, in a way that's not like a departure, but but something that's really constructive, proactive, or something? Yes, exactly. I have a couple of thoughts about that. First of all, um, self awareness is a, is a big part of it. Um, I sometimes I'm really self-aware, sometimes I'm not very self-aware, and sometimes I'm going through 
I'm going through days and I'm just, I'm unhappy and I'm not sure why I'm unhappy and I'm trying to figure it out. And then other days I just kind of have, I'm able to step back from it and look at what's going on and, and think about what are the things that I'm doing are enjoyable and what are the things that aren't enjoyable. And as uh, I'm a very good rule follower, as a rule follower, it's really easy for me to say, well, I have to keep doing the things that are not enjoyable because that's just how this is. And that's, it's my job to fit in, not my job to move things around. So I think, I don't know, I guess uh, the days, the times when I'm feeling more self-aware are the times that I'm more able to, to be an active participant. And so maybe that's a big part of it. Yeah. And, and that makes sense too, that this, this sort of participation ebbs and flows, uh, when I, um, like over the time at artsy, I've been really open, uh, that I've struggled with depression. Uh, and sometimes I'm more, um, I'm contributing more on the technical side than I am on the cultural side, just as my mood allows me to. And I think that that being self-aware is, is like, has helped me with that a bit because, you know, I know, uh, I know where my strengths are at any given time and where my weaknesses are. So I can lean on people when I need to, and uh, I can let people know how they can lean on me. There's another way we can help ourselves when the energy's not there, when we're in an ebb situation, and that's by having written stuff down mm-hmm. that, that we can have a framework or we can say, you know, as an engineering organization, we're going to revisit our values every six months, year, whatever it is. So we can build in processes and procedures or, you know, some some kind of structure so that the normal flow of energy isn't the only thing that's kind of helping keep an, keeping us on track. Yeah, I- exactly. Like, I love the idea of documenting culture in a descriptive way. Like, it should be a description of what you do because, again, culture is something you do. Uh, it's not a document in a in a GitHub repo or or an Ocean Doc or something, but having that that written down is really helpful because you have th- this institutional memory that can like degrade over time as people forget or as people leave the organization. But having it written down, um, it does two two things. First, it helps you uh, maintain this sort of like um, uh, this culture that you that you have. It helps you maintain the healthy parts of it by documenting them, but it also provides a mechanism for people to contribute to that culture. So if they try something like if a team starts doing knowledge share meetings and they really like them, then they can write, write them down somewhere and then other teams can start to do them too. Um, and, and that's, I think writing down what you do in a, in a document is like super, super important. It's like um, we think of like this concept of technical debt. I, I think of uh, also cultural debt, but there's not just like, a debt, there's also like a savings account, right? So there's a technical savings account that you can like invest into, and then you can accrue technical debt strategically. In the same way, there is this cultural savings account where you've put in the work ahead of time to uh, create this culture, you've documented things, you've, um, you know, empowered people or, you know, been like a a, spen- a a sponsor or a mentor to someone to put them, like install them in a, in a place where they can have a bigger sphere of influence. And that's so that makes it easy to have these little periods of ebb where maybe an individual is is feeling unable to contribute culturally, 
or maybe uh, you know a team is going through uh, a tough time if there are lots of changes or um, if if like the the culture just is is suffering a little bit that's okay because you have that savings account you can kind of dip into it to pay off that cultural debt. I like that idea of a savings account that you can pull from, and 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 acknowledging that it's worth putting something in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That actually reminded me, John, a little bit about the. Uh, I think it's conventional comments or something. So this this thing that we've been doing for maybe the last six months on a lot of our PRs is basically just trying to be more explicit about what my feedback means, whether it's something that's blocking, non-blocking, et cetera. Uh, that idea of just making sure that nothing is implicit, everything is explicit, everything is written down. I think 2021 for me is going to be the year of making sure everything is written down rather than having people try to guess what I'm thinking. And actually, that also makes me think about, um, Ash, you asked the question, what can an individual do to to try to to remind themselves that they're an active participant rather than something significant like a departure? journaling is a good way to do that, right? To get in touch with what, what am I actually feeling today? What am I, um, what am I experiencing? What am I enjoying? What am I not enjoying? And, and having some visibility then into what they might want to, how they might want to contribute to change things to better reflect what they want to be doing every day. Yeah. Journaling is like super important and just taking notes. I'm actually like, I pulled my journals here because like I, I have, here we go. Uh, some work I was doing on the open source in November 2016, and I can look back and see like, okay, so I'm modularizing code and things like that. But when I kind of fast forward, you know, um, later on, I'm uh, I'm thinking about like, okay, so this project needs a logo. Looks like, you know, like now I'm thinking about how to uh, what is it? I don't know. I've got a lot of notes, but but you know, you can always look back and see where you've come from, and that's that's really helpful too because. Sometimes it can feel like we're not making progress because we are we are trapped in the now, right? Like we can only see what we're doing in the present. And having a journal, like not only helps you organize your your thoughts, but it also allows you to look backwards and see, like, okay, what was I what was I doing then? And you can see the delta between the kinds of things you were thinking about then and worried about and and struggling with, and and the kinds of things that you're thinking about and worried about and struggling with now. Love it. Yes, journaling. Um, getting in touch with what's going on with you. So um, impact uh, is a topic that we could go on and on about. But I think this is a good place to end it. I just want to make sure I say um, thank you to Ash for the impact you've had on me. I'm going to try to make you blush and say that I'm going to echo something that I already said to you, which is that I sometimes find myself thinking things and realizing that there are things you've said. And I think that's really like a pretty good crystallization of <laughs> how I think about um, the impact you've had at Artsy, that you know some of the things you've brought to the table are things that have really been embedded in, I think, all of us and certainly for myself. Um, Steve, do you want to try to make him blush? <laughs> uh, I would just say that when I think about the culture at Artsy and when I think about my favorite Artsy uh, guiding principle of all time, which is people are paramount, Ash is the person that I think of. That's And I'm going to miss him. That's really touching. Uh, thank you, too. I definitely, I know the listeners can't see this, but I'm definitely blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. We did it. Cool. Final thought, Ash? Um, I, 
I don't know. I, I want to, it's hard to cap that, but, uh, or to follow that. Um, I did want to mention, uh, one thing, which was the, the best piece of career advice I ever got. Um, it's going to sound a little mean, but, uh, when I got it from my manager, I knew it was coming from place of caring because, cause I, I known him for years. Uh, I was starting the, I was running the mobile practice at Artsy, which was this cross team group of engineers to, to really own the app. And in, in a way that is separate from our vertical teams, but is cuts horizontally across those teams. And he told me that I, the way I was working was really needy, that I needed a lot from other people in order to do my job. And that instead of uh, gaining consensus all the time, instead of checking in and double checking and, and getting input from everyone, what I should instead do is model radiating intent to let people know, you know, this is, I've, I've thought about the problem. This is what I'm going to do. If you have thoughts, you can let me know. Um, but, you know, this is what I intend to do. I welcome feedback, but I'm not, I, I'm not blocked on it. And that more than anything else, like you asked Steve, like, uh, or uh, John earlier about like a shift that I experienced at Artsy, that moment was the biggest shift for me when I went to, you know, I'm creating value, but I'm also capturing a lot of value. And now I'm creating the same amount while capturing way less. And that, that really is when like the, the gas was poured on my, my career development at Artsy. This is, this is great feedback, great advice. And like you acknowledge, like it does maybe sound rude or something to begin with but it actually is coming from a place of like how can you help people <laughs> take your stuff and you know not make it on them to help you move it forward but move it forward yourself mm -hmm. it feels like you're giving that feedback directly to me and i'm taking it <laughs> well it wasn't uh you know this whole podcast has just been a way to uh to give you uh, uh three early 360 degree feedback <laughs> this, this is the whole the whole the whole thing the whole plan okay so i want to on behalf of artsy in general just wish you so much luck ash we know that we will still see you around on the interwebs and i'd love to have you on the podcast again um this is not goodbye thanks so much i appreciate it all right thanks friends thanks for listening you can follow us on twitter at artsy open source keep up with the artsy engineering blog at artsy.github.io thank you eve essex for our theme music you can find her on all major streaming platforms Until next time, this is Artsy Engineering Radio.